Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. everybody how's it going it's another episode of nerdificent and you know i know you're at the edge of your seat right now hearing my voice like is danny gonna be there is it just iffy again because if so i need to turn this off <laughs> <laughs> uh no danny is here so please keep your finger where it is and don't move it <laughs> where is their finger <laughs> it's like right above the pause button <laughs> Uh, no, your toys episode. Everyone really liked it a lot. Uh, we'll see about that. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Nerdificent with Danny and Ify. I'm Ify Wadiway sitting across from me. Danny Fernandez. And we are today talking about Doctor Who. Yes. Before we get into anything, there's a new segment I'd like to introduce called Um Actually. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, and it's Wait, exactly you did not. What... I love that I'm the your co-host, and you did not go over this segment. Oh yeah, because I forgot <laughs> about it until right up until we started. Uh, but yeah, I'm actually is the segment that I'm bringing. No, in which, yeah, you're gonna it... encourage people to do this to us. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes they're right, <laughs> and sometimes we don't care. This is one of the times I do care. Don't abuse this. Don't make me cancel the whole segment, y'all. But I'm gonna give you the. Sh- appropriate shouts out when you do point out uh something in a nice polite manner yeah uh (laughs) thomas allen on the page pointed out that i did call jean-claude van damme russian i said his russian accent he is not russian he was born in belgium and that's his nickname was muscles from brussels and i totally forgot that and so that was right and one other person they weren't actually correcting they were actually just kind of adding on to the story but they actually pointed out something that uh i kind of missed same episode too, street fighter uh, when I was saying that it was the R bumper or something on the Genesis controller, it was, I, I want to get their name in it too. Um, 
Infinite Content. Soul Brother215 on Twitter <laughs> pointed out that it's the start button. It was the start button that you had to press in Street Fighter to switch it from punch to kick, which is just all bad, which is even worse than a trigger button <laughs> um, because that's what you use to pause. How did you pause? Probably select. But yeah, thanks, y'all. Yeah, like Danny says, you know, we make a give us a gentle nudge if we make a make a trip up, and we'll uh, shout you out a gentle, very gentle. <laughs> think of think of the bruises we have from just existing. Yeah, on the from internet. being nerds. Oh, for, <laughs> and just and for, yeah, uh, and just just love tap, and we will make that correction because we do want y'all to have the correct info, but. How would you? How would you? How would you speak to your little niece or nephew? <laughs> we're like grown ass adults. <laughs> we're grown adults, but yeah. please talk to us like we're three. Um, know, it, it, and it's really not even anyone's fault, but just everything that we're used to. So the energy always feels the same when someone's like, "Hey." You're yeah, like, people don't realize how much how when you have like thousands of followers, how much you get people that are not nice that don't yeah. follow you, that aren't friends with like you know what I mean, that aren't yeah. fans of hard you. To, hard to read tone on the internet. Yeah. Is uh, something Reddit has created, one of the few good things they've created is the slash S to say that you're being sarcastic. Oh really yeah. Great. Our guest has been sitting here just silently and politely, probably <laughs> making small notes in her head that, <laughs> like, oh, the, y'all messed this dog all the way up. Because she is, I think, when Danny said this was the episode, I was like, oh, so we're definitely we, going to get this person. Yeah, and, we collectively. And she was like, I already contacted her. her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was uh, like, yeah. She is the Doctor Who critic for Nerdist, comedian and writer Riley Silverman. Hey, Hello. How's it going? Um, actually, no. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> in my head, I was like, how do you not know Muscles from Brussels? Yeah. And, then, and then you said it, so yeah. I didn't have to say anything. Well, yeah, well, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm, I would only make myself look worse if I pointed out the fact that I was like, I d- don't know where Brussels is. Germany, right? It's not Russia. Well, I think you already <laughs> established it's in Belgium. <laughs> That was like the whole point of your thing. Yeah, yeah that's true. I'm not. I'm not even like an action person, and I knew that Jean Claude Van Damme was muscles from Brussels. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um. Okay. So, Riley, what was your first introduction to Doctor Who? I weirdly got into Doctor Who first through Torchwood, the spinoff okay. series. Yes. It was a thing where I had to watch a couple episodes of it for work, and. I liked it, but I'm also a weird completionist nightmare person, and so <laughs> I almost. Like for years, I wanted to watch Doctor Who, but in my head, I had this whole thing of like, I can't give myself the amount of time it takes to watch six, 50 years of a show, yeah. which I have since done. But <laughs> at the time, I like it's weird because most people I know who are fans of Doctor Who of the modern series, like aren't people who go, like I know a right. lot. I have a lot of people who are fans of the original series, but people who I talk to on a day-to-day basis who run into me and like like my TARDIS purse or whatever tend to be like David Tennant fans or something like that. Yeah. Nobody said to me, like, no, you don't have to watch the classics if you don't, like, you can jump in with the new show. And, like, I recommend the classics eventually, but it is, it's a very different show. And it's a lot of work to get into, just like watching old Star Trek or whatever, if you've never watched it before. So I was, like, afraid of it. And then, but when I started watching Torchwood, I was like, I, I got to see how this works. So I went back and started with the 2005 original, like, r- the return of the show with Christopher Eccleston. And I, I fell for it pretty quickly. And just plowed through it all, and then went back and watched all the Torchwood as well. But yeah, it was uh, it's a it so that was 
several years ago at this point because mm-hmm. it's become like a lifestyle for me since then. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it, something about it really clicked with me in a way that like very few other shows have. And, and it actually, I would say maybe no other show. Like it's, mm-hmm. like, it's the only show I have a tattoo for. And I'm literally, I'm sitting here with a Doctor Who t-shirt and I have the, th- the 13 Doctor's yeah. coat as my coat. So yeah, That's so I'm doing funny. okay. But the people that we've had, because I have my drag, I feel like you're known as Doctor Who person, like in our circle, yeah. I'm the Dragon Ball Z person. Yeah. Like when anyone has a podcast or a panel about DBZ and I have uh, that's the only tattoo I have is the Dragon Ball Z tattoo and um, Kyle Shire remember if you came on for the Avatar one he has an Avatar tattoo and yeah. it was like this is and my if he's show. the Jean-Claude Van Damme guy yeah. Yeah, 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 it's just yeah. like yeah. all about Jean-Claude Van Damme yeah yeah I, was, I, I have it with love from Russia and Jean-Claude Van Damme yeah. under it it's so. just funny he always thought each... muscles from muscles meant he ate Brussels sprouts and the yeah. protein gave him muscles because you know that one stereotype Russians love Brussels sprouts yeah. so. for me it's because I'm so fickle and mm-hmm. I knew I wanted a tattoo but I was like what am I going to always love yes. like, what have I always loved mm-hmm. and and something that that is going to stay with me and that's why I got my DBZ tattoo it just made sense as opposed to getting like a boyfriend's name or something oh yeah um, well, like, for gonna... sure don't do that like <laughs> that's the worst thing. even if you're married don't do yeah. that yeah. Even if it's your kid, well, okay, if it's your kid, right. not, it's not going to break up. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I like mine is a Doctor Who tattoo, but it, it's not like the Doctor Who font, and it's not really one that like if I ever do fall out of love with the show, I'm like, mm-hmm. I now my arm needs to be burned off. It just says Deep Breath, which is the name of an episode of the show, okay. which happened to have really personal significance to me when I started uh, transitioning. Mm-hmm. So that's why I got it. It was like a, a gift to myself. After being on hormones for over a year, I'm I'm gonna get this tattoo to commemorate this, and yeah. that's what this was about. And so, you think you'll ever get more Doctor Who tattoos? I have thought about it because I had a really big issue this year with getting my. I had I had a surgery back in March, and I was supposed to have it in January. I kept getting pushed back, and I had a lot of problems with it and fighting insurance companies. And then around that time, people had like sent me some gifts for the show and like presents like like get well soon gifts or whatever and like then like mental health gifts because I was like freaking out about my surgery being canceled and the fandom of Doctor Who kind of co-opted the Elizabeth Warren nevertheless she persisted slogan oh, yeah. to nevertheless she regenerated when they turned the doctor when they cast the female to play the doctor and so I thought about getting in the script Gallifreyan which is like the circular font thing that they mm-hmm. had it's like this like alien language is like layered and has like connected lines and it's hard to describe without physical pictures but it's basically like layered circles okay i was gonna get just nsr in script gallifreyan mm-hmm. somewhere in my body so it's like my regeneration after my so i might still do that at some that's point that's cool yeah that's like, super cool that's also one that i don't think like screams like if you don't know what it means i can just right. go like yeah it just means like a like it's like a significant thing for me yeah because um, i did think about also getting the non-Doctor Who tattoo I thought about getting about a year ago, and I'm kind of glad I didn't go through with it, was I was going to get the Rebel Alliance logo from Star Wars, mm-hmm. but in the shape of a snowflake. Uh, so I thought like a cool like resistance snowflake thing. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I, I think as much as I love Star Wars, I don't think I would have been, that one would not have aged as well for me, I think, like yeah. in 30 or 40 years. Hopefully I'll be like, why was I resisting stuff? I don't know. <laughs> things are good again, hopefully. I think it's funny that I'm going to be like 95 and have Goku and Vegeta on me. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's so Someone's funny. badass grandma. Because mine is, I went with a subtle one too, because mine is just Imperious Rex and kind of like your old English a yeah. little bit. For those who don't know, that's Namor the Submariner's Battle Cry, and it's Latin for Everyone powerful king. Everyone knows that. 
I, it's so funny. <laughs> you know, the number one Marvel character, Namor the Submariner, yeah. at the tip the of The only everyone's... one that no one has the rights to. <laughs> yeah. I think, like, Universal had it or something yeah. at one point. Well, because it's weird because he's, like, in this weird uh, kind of X-Men kind of Fantastic Four guy. So I think no one knows what to do with him. Yeah. But, yeah, I like that one because it wasn't like a – because I'm, I'm always the type who's – Who's like, I don't want to do the thing everyone's doing. So I wasn't going to get an X-Men logo. Yeah. I wasn't going to get anything Superman or Batman. Nothing Wolverine. And I was like, who's like a like far enough character to where like, if you know, you know. And it's like, I like Namor's energy, even though sometimes he can be a total tool. Like, yeah. I like just like, I'm going to get what I want. And I, I, I don't care. I'm going to do what's best for me and my people. So that's how I try and live. I like that. Yeah. 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 I guess we should talk about the this show. Yeah, this show. So I kind of wanted to hear, though, in your own words, Riley, like what Doctor Who is for someone. Sure. Like, if, if you have you seen, I have not seen any Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Who. I came. So here, we'll go to my Doctor Who history because I came in with Eccleston, really liked it. I love I loved the thug doctor. That, that's what Eccleston was for me. He was like, look, I survived war, and you, you know what's going on? I'm, I'm a pop off. I got a pop off, but I don't want to pop off anymore. And then we got Tenet, which was a dream. Then he changed to Matt Smith. And I just could not dig it. And everyone's like, just get back in. It'll be good. But I just never did. And then it just kind of turned into that thing where it fell behind the queue of the million things that we have to watch. But I plan yeah. to revisit it. I think if you liked Eccleston, you'll like Peter Capaldi. Because Peter is my favorite doctor. He has layers. And he's not everyone's favorite doctor. Yeah. But I like him because when he first comes in in Series 8, he's pretty grumpy. Yeah. So he kind of has an Eccleston vibe a little bit. That's actually what this tattoo is from. But then, like, he kind of, like, I think he's the doctor, and I won't go too deep into this right now because we're going to reset and talk about the show, but he's the doctor that I feel most has, like, an actual, like, defined character arc Mm -hmm. of development. Like, he comes in, like, kind of lost and grumpy and trying to find himself, and by the end of it, his character has, like, found himself again and is, like, very much about, like, kindness and empathy. And that gets me back to, like, the show. Mm -hmm. So for me... Like, on its most simple form, Doctor Who is a serialized sci-fi series about a time-traveling alien who travels space and time in a spaceship that looks like – a time machine and a spaceship that looks like a police box from the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And, that, and basically travels around, usually with a companion, once in a while alone, but very rarely because it shouldn't travel alone – Finding people, like kind of stumbling upon people who are in trouble and helping them. And okay. that's basically the premise of the show. So it's not unlike how like the premise of Star Trek is like, hey, we have a thing that's happening in this area of space. Let's go check it out and see what's going on. That's basically what Doctor Who is. Like they're often like the it's kind of quirky and at the TARDIS, which is the ship that they that they fly around in, which stands for time and relative dimension in space. Like they'll be like, Oh, we're gonna go to this cool vacation planet, and then they show up inside a planet instead and like there's like trouble of brewing and they'll kind of figure out what's going on and then stop it. Are they often here on earth? Or are they yes. often in other? Yes. Okay. Both. Yes. Equally. Would you say um, it, it goes from season to season? Okay. It, it can be, some seasons are really earth heavy. We've actually had a pretty earth heavy several years, Okay. but other seasons, they almost never come to earth. So Interesting. this most recent season, but they always look human for the most part. There are, Aliens that are alien aliens, but okay. for the most part, the doctor's always the look doctor human. looks well. Humans look time. Sorry, that's a look quote from the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of humanoid races on the show. Wait, can you say that quote again? The, oh, so that, there's an episode. There's actually, actually a quote from the show. Someone says, "Well, you look human." He goes, "No, you look time lord." Oh yeah. Okay. So there so are time a lot lords of lords look 
what yeah. we perceive to be a yeah. human. Time form. lords basically okay. look like humans, but they have two hearts. And that's okay. like the difference. That's like the big difference between them. And they also can regenerate and have like longer. And they also can, they've also have mastered so many time questions. travel. I'm really yeah. glad that, so I'm just going to ask some questions. Sure. Um, and I'm going to let you continue. So do they choose what they look like when they regenerate? Some can, not all can. Okay. Um, some people have random, some time lords have random regenerations. Others can choose it. Uh, it's not super dug into in the plot. That's kind of one of those things where it's just like, in one episode, the writers thought it was funny to have this woman change her appearance a bunch. So I guess sometime Lords can. Sh- the show is so fast and loose with canon that okay. it's like really fun to watch fans then like scramble to try to like go. No, this yeah. this is what this means. In because basically what happened is there was one episode in the seventies where a character named Romana, who was the Doctor's companion, but she was also a Time Lord, Time Lady. They replaced the actress in the second season that they had her, so they had her regenerate into this other actress and. So they just had like a jokey scene the first episode with her where Romana kept walking in with different forms until she like solidified the one oh, she was going to take okay. and then travel with the doctor and it was Lala Ward who was amazing. So that's like – so then like when you – if you play the Doctor Who role-playing game and you uh-huh. play – like if you're playing as a Time Lord, you can choose like customized regeneration as one of your options. Whereas oh, if you play okay. the Doctor, you have like – you can't choose your regeneration. Like the Doctor can't like – consciously choose his or her regeneration kind of happens at random randomized generation so there's two questions i yes. have so i remember there was a limit on how many regenerations that the sure doctor was. has uh it's have we reached that point? it's been reset because <laughs> the thing is uh the thing with that something like that and that's that is a thing that was written into the show back in the like 70s mm-hmm. and when they first started like fleshing out time lord culture because when the show first started in 63 with william hartnell the first doctor the phrases that i'm using time lord regeneration two hearts gallifrey none of that was part of the show yet that was all doctor was just a weird alien and he and his granddaughter were traveling the universe in this police box that like tardis has now become like on the show the term people use for these ships but in that episode like the granddaughter just called her ship the TARDIS because of the, the initials. That wasn't like the official title for it, but it's just been retconned over time. They're like, ah, they're all called TARDISes. Yeah. So the original one was like 13 regenerations. And then what happened was at the end, when Matt Smith became Peter Capaldi, there was, they, they had squeezed in an extra regeneration when they did the 50th anniversary special. Mm-hmm. So there was a regeneration pro- between Paul McGann, who was the doctor who, the actor who played the doctor in the 1990s TV movie who was the eighth doctor and Christopher Eccleston, who was the ninth doctor, they squeezed in John Hurt as what we call the war doctor. And the reason for that is because Eccleston didn't come back for the 50th anniversary special. So they replaced, so since he wouldn't come back for it, they wrote in this new version of a doctor to kind of fulfill his role. Okay. So the idea is like basically when the show came back in 2005, when it kind of like had this soft reboot where it still had the old continuity, but it was kind of a new format show. Now it went from being a serialized 22 minute episode show to being uh, an hour each week. And each hour is like a pretty self-contained story. They introduced this concept of there had been this awful genocidal war in between when the show ended and when it came back that they called the time war. And at the end of that time war, the Doctor, it was between the Doctor's race, the Time Lords, and their greatest enemy, the Daleks. And the end of the time war was, uh, at that point, was written to be that the Doctor did something that was called the Moment. He unleashed a weapon called the Moment that destroyed both races. And he was the only survivor of the war. 
And that's why Eccleston's doctor is so torn and tormented because he has this guilt of being the destructor of his own race and another race as well, which is very against what normally the creed of a doctor is, which is like very anti-genocidal. Yeah. And yeah. Like there's an episode in classic Who called Genesis of the Daleks where the Time Lords send the doctor, which is Tom Baker's doctor, back in time to the Daleks' homeworld to try to prevent them from ever being created in the first place. And he ends up not doing it because he doesn't feel like he morally has the right to to deny another species the chance to exist. And it's a really interesting, fascinating episode. And so that was kind of the the crux of the new show was the doctor had like broken his own promise. And that's why they brought in John Hurt. Like he was like, he doesn't even refer to himself as the doctor. He's the one who failed to be the doctor. And then that's why he's, the other ones are all feeling guilty from then on. So that was one regeneration that was squeezed in. And also you may remember uh, during David Tennant's run, there's an episode where he, starts to regenerate and then like sends his energy out of him into a hand and it turns into a new doctor. Mm -hmm. So that was like counted as regeneration as well. And so basically what happened was when Matt Smith was at the end of his run, he said like, I've used my regenerations. I'm dying. When I die, I'm dead. And then Mm. through plot thing that I won't spoil if people haven't already heard it, they like reset his regenerations. And so Peter Capaldi was the first doctor of this new cycle. And they've kind of now gone like, we don't know how many he has because they don't I think I think when they made 13 as the number that was back when the show had no idea they would last yeah. and come back after right. a break. So it was easy to toss out like a number that seems super like when you're on like when you're on the fourth doctor it's easy to go yeah 13 regenerations we'll see whatever. Now that we're on, on the, the 13th, 13th doctor, doctor it's like yeah. we don't want to say a set yeah. number cuz we might hit 26 <laughs> at some point cuz we're kind of going through these people every 3 years or so. so. Yeah, that's so true. Oh, yeah. Man, so... I wanted to go through some of these facts about when it yeah. first premiered. So... I was all over the map there. Sorry. Yeah, well, no, 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 no. It was I want to stop you because I want you to go through those facts after these messages. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. All right, those were some uh, juicy messages. I know you're like, oh, we're getting to the meat, if you watch you stop. Well, guess what? We're back. It's Nerdificent. I'm Iffy. Danny's I'm, over there. Yep. Riley's here with us. Still here. They let um, me stay. <laughs> so, yeah, so Doctor Who first appeared on BBC TV on Saturday, November 23rd, 1963. It was actually 80 seconds later than it was scheduled to air due to the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Whoa. Yeah. Previous day. Yeah. In fact, like, they almost canceled it because it didn't do very well and they had to re air it to get it, oh. like, to people to, like, they, they, like, and they fought for it because, um, essentially Sidney Newman created the show he was a Canadian and he was like a head of drama at BBC at the time mm-hmm. he created it he also created the Avengers TV series the one oh. with um, Emma, Emma you know I'm talking about the, the, one, the British Spry Avengers not the, yeah. not oh, the yes. superheroes yes yeah. yes um, yeah. so he created it but Verity Lambert who's mentioned down here she was really the like mother of the show like Sidney Newman was like and he's very responsible he has a lot of credit for it but but Verity Lambert really is who brought all these disparate bits of it together. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was really important to it. And she fought to like get them to rerun the show. And also some of the stuff that she did that was really important, which is uh, mentioned on here, is the Daleks were basically. So like it, the, first, the first serialized story was called An Unearthly Child. And it was like the doctor and his granddaughter Susan were on Earth. He had two teachers who that were like in school with Susan who were confused because there was something she seemed to have like un- impossible knowledge of like these really complicated math and science things but then like history she was like completely dumb on because she's from a different planet and oh, yeah. different time period yeah. so they like investigated her and they like followed her after school and she was like living in a garbage dump <laughs> and they like a like a like a warehouse yard like oh, a, okay. a work yard um and so then they Followed her in, and they fe- like they found her and her grandfather living in this box. And then they like they like argue with him and push their way in. And then he's like, "Well, you've seen my ships, and now we have to now we have to take off." So they like left Earth and like went through time. They like traveled back in time to like the Stone Age. So that's the very first oh, episode wow. of the show. Okay. And the Doctor in the original run, we'll go. I know we're gonna go more into each Doctor as we move on, but this is interesting because the show was so different then. The Doctor wasn't really the hero of the show. Oh, in that interesting. Era. He was kind of just like the foil. For things to be happening like he was the reason why they were in the ship and they were traveling places and he was a little bit cantankerous a little bit crotchety he became more of a hero as time went on because as actors left the show it stopped being like originally the ian and barb the teachers were kind of like the heroes of the show and like susan was like a sidekick character and the doctor was kind of like not an not an antagonist but he was kind of like this crotchety old man that mm-hmm. was like rah, rah, like when like the reason why they were stuck in this ship yeah as people started leaving the show, the doctor kind of became the constant and then became the mm-hmm. lead. It's it's really interesting with this show how much just like necessity of invention creates canon. Mm-hmm. Like the entire concept of regeneration, which uh, I think we skipped over that when we were talking because I was digressing a lot. But regeneration is basically a concept in the show where whenever an actor wants to leave the show, 
the, the actor who plays the doctor, mm-hmm. they regenerate into a new form, which is basically a whole new genetic code for somebody, but who has the same essential memories and basic personality, or not even personality, but like code of ethics and stuff as their previous versions. But they could be wildly different personality-wise, and they mm-hmm. can have very different behaviors and, and tastes and interests and per- and concerns and stuff like that. But a common credo, basically. And it's, it's just a genius way of... Yeah. Of, oh, yeah. And, yeah. And it came out of... William Hartnell was very ill. He was a... He, oh, had, no. he had, like, a really bad illness, and he could not get through the show. And he would... Like, we joke about it a lot now, but he had a hard time saying his lines sometimes and he would oh. just like stumble over them and back then they didn't have time to like take a like stop and refilm the scene yeah. so they kept they would just kept it in so you oh, get there's wow. a lot of flub lines in the show when we wrote yeah. the, the screen junkies on a trailer for the show like we had a joke about flub lines and people kind of took us to task for making oh. fun of hartnell because he was ill but yeah. like it was we took a bunch of flub lines but yeah, yeah, yeah. so they were like we have to replace william hartnell and rather than just like find another actor who seems similar to him they replaced him with Patrick Troughton, who was very different in how he approached the Doctor. And so that kind of locked in that we can change this character mm-hmm. when we regenerate them. And so, like, the next Doctor after Patrick Troughton was John Pertwee, who's, like, this, like, velvet coat-wearing, like, secret agent guy. So that's, like, a good example of a thing where the show needed to change yeah. for a practical reason. And so they just found a way to make it work with the plot. That's super smart. Yeah. yeah. No, it was crazy, too, because, I mean... November 23rd is such a weird time to drop a show because, like, that was five days away for Thanksgiving, even though this was in London. And yeah, I think they're not, they're not super concerned about Thanksgiving in Yeah, the that's true. I mean, you know, but 25 years before me and Danny were born. No, oh, I, God. Was, okay, uh, so you've mentioned, Riley, you've mentioned Daleks yes. quite a bit. And yes. I think that most people, even if you're not... Like, if you haven't seen the show like me, but you would recognize these characters, can you describe them to everyone? Salt shakers. Yeah. <laughs> With arms, yeah. right? Yeah. They, okay. it, they're the weirdest <laughs> things because they are. They were in the second serial. Mm-hmm. So the first serial was The Unhurtly Child, which had, like, the the alien, the um, the cavemen. Or the, they, they, all they did was yeah, back in time. Because they went to the Stone Age. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny, too, because it's shot. They, they had, like, one set. They had no money. And they, like, shot it, like, in a, the tiniest set on the BBC lot. So the Daleks were the next serial, and it was Terry Nation who was the writer of it, and he created these Daleks, and they were made on a very low budget. Newman was really against it. Like, Newman was like, I don't want any bug-eyed monsters on the show, but then they, like, very Lambert's like, this was the only script that we had ready to go, so we had to film it. Okay, yeah. But then it was a huge hit, because the Daleks... Despite seeming like these silly, because they basically mm-hmm. look like rolling salt shakers yeah. with a plunger in the middle of their head, which is like 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 they shoot guns out. They do they, they do so many weird things with it. Like they, like if it grabs someone's face, they can like suck out stuff out of it. But they also talk. They have like little like almost like do they ears. sound robotic? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. They have but a they're very not robots. Danger, they're not robots. They have a That's... very danger Will Robinson vibe yeah. to them. They're looking. like yeah. But thing is, they're but somehow, they're aliens. They're they're yes, they're aliens. They are they were a race of beings called the Khaleds who fought in a planet wide war against another race called the Thals. This is all what came out of like later seasons. Like at, the, at the time, this was a little bit less defined. Like the Daleks and the Thals were enemies in this original storyline. That's all we really know about them. And there had been like a major war, and the Daleks were like holed up in this city. But basically, when they were in this war, 
the Khalids were mutated and put in these traveling machines to protect them, and then they became this like maddened, like supremacist yeah. race that I basically just, wants to destroy all things in the universe but them. I'm so angry because I'm as I'm listening along, I'm kind of like googling just to see what things look like and to bounce back, and I realize that Khalids is Daleks backwards. Yep. <laughs> yep. So the Daleks are really interesting because they, they, they seem so silly, but there's something about them when they are used right, they're so creepy. Oh, yeah. And so the Daleks are very much credited for the success of the show because kids in the UK really thought they were scary. And like, yeah. really, there's, a, there's like a running gag with old Doctor Who fans of like hiding behind the sofa cushions because Doctor Who was on. And the Daleks are a big part of that. And they just they talk very slowly and do they move slowly? They do, especially early on. Mm-hmm. Newer, newer Who has kind of sped them up a little bit and gave, given them the ability to fly. Really? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it was, it was a running. It was see. a running gag because they <laughs> like they used to be like the joke was like, well, Daleks. The the simplest solution to Daleks is just put a stairwell in your building or something. But then during the, the do they seventh, mate? No, How they're they they're do- mutants. They're like they're like they're like basically like um, organically created. Okay, like. Yeah, no, because I'm just like, how clones. do they? How yeah. are they make more of them? Yeah, they're basically manufacturers. They're like, they're like, oh, okay. like scientifically, genetically engineers. What I'm trying to say. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's that's one thing that was interesting as someone who's more of a Doctor Who noob. When I started watching, when I first saw the Daleks, I was like, yeah. oh, okay, this is ridiculous. But as you kind of watch it and see almost the seriousness that the Doctor mm-hmm. has when that there's no way around it, you feel that. That heaviness with yeah with him. There's an episode in the first season of the modern series called Dalek. It's like the middle of Eccleston's run, and you meet the Daleks for the Do- one Dalek by itself for the first time. It's real creepy. It's a scary episode. It's a base under siege plot, and it's just really scary. The Daleks. There are some pretty good Dalek plots throughout the history of the show, and there's also some really bad Dalek plots. They are a, a, a adversary that is really well used when properly used and just ridiculous when used too much. They get kind of clownish and they get a little overdone and they their mythology has been so spread out and, and made strange that it, it's hard to like still find them scary. But they also have been taking a break from using them a little bit. Like they haven't used them a lot in the last couple of years. And I'm hoping that when they finally do bring them back, it'll be like a huge, it'll be like really intense and insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I will say, yeah. oh, sorry to cut you no, off. Fine. But I wanted to point out just for people following along who might you you spoke in serials. You said serial <laughs> A, unruly child, and just for then looking at it and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it mm-hmm. looks like when you say serial, it's a collection of episodes. Yeah. So one through four was technically serial A based on uh yeah, yeah. the site. Yeah. So basically modern I mean sorry, classic Doctor Who was rarely ever one episode, one self contained story. It was always usually at least a two-part oh, or usually okay. more. Usually okay. each usually it was at least four. Sometimes it could be six. At the the largest ever was twelve plus one thing that was considered a bonus episode. It was like a, a attempt to spin off to a different series. And then the second longest was ten episodes. And then there's arguments because there's a season during the Six Doctors run where the entire season is also kind of a serial, uh-huh. but with like mini serials in, in it. So like like does that whole season count as one serial or is it a collection of episodes of, of multiple? But yeah, that's dicey. That's where you get into like nerd fandom. But yeah, so <laughs> whereas modern Doctor Who is typically an hour long, and there's a beginning, middle, and end to that story in that hour. Classic Doctor Who is 
roughly four to six 22-minute episodes that tell one continuous story, which can be weird to watch when you're used to modern TV because there's still usually like a beginning, middle, and end of each episode and a lot of like resetting the arc in each new episode so that like this episode has like stakes and forward momentum and stuff like that, which can be really it's it's a strange thing to get used to watching, especially when you're watching them. Like if you sit down and watch like one arc in like a sitting, and you like so you spend like two hours watching this four episode thing, it can be weird to get this constant resetting of things. But it was designed for an era where people never rewatched stuff. People would just every oh, week yeah. watch a new episode yeah. of the show, and it was yeah. like probably useful that if if you missed an episode and came back, you wouldn't be completely lost as what right. was happening because you had kind of like a resetting of who the important power figures were and stuff like that. People forget that we didn't have like VCRs, like people didn't record things back then. Yeah. Well, you're talking about in the 60s. You kind of started to go into the doctors, but I wanted to officially go into them. So we have currently 13. Mm-hmm. We're going to start from the top with the first doctor. Maybe you can just give like a line or two because there's 13 yeah. of them of like what people should know about this doctor. So the first one up is William Hartnell from yeah. uh, 1963 to 1966. Yeah. So he basically, like I said, he started out kind of cranky and kind of a like slightly adversarial role with the, with the companions softened up over time when he was kind of, was do you think was that what what was written for him or is that what he brought to the character? <laughs> he actually, I think, he actually was instrumental in softening the character. Oh, he thought okay. the character was too gruff, yeah, and wanted to make him. He wanted to be more the hero of the show uh-huh. because one thing was like children loved. Him. He was like he right. he liked having a character that like his grandchildren could watch and like kids on the street would because he had always played like military men and policemen and stuff like that. So well, I was yeah. going to say what we forgot to mention is that the program was originally intended to appeal to a family audience as mm-hmm. an educational program yes. using time travel, which is really smart, as a means to explore scientific ideas and famous moments in history. If you do you know what else did that? Wishbone. Uh, much <laughs> later. <laughs> and actually, I, the modern show, the new, the newest season is kind of going back to that. Educational? A bit. It, it okay. Definitely. In, in the same way that the original one did, where oh, we're in space and we're learning a little bit about science and we're learning a little bit of history when we go back in time. Like, the two historical episodes this current season have been, one was about Rosa Parks and one was about repar- um, part- oh, part- okay. the partition in India. So. Yeah, but, but I mean, from what I can tell from the series, it did get very adult-ish, right? I mean, or has it's it always, always been family-friendly? It's, it's gotten darker in the modern era, but it always tries to be still kid-friendly and kids still love the show. Okay. There are some episodes where people are like, ah, oh, it might be too scary for kids because in the UK... They're not as married to what time a show runs, oh. so there are some episodes where, like, if they're super scary, they'll run it later in the night because, like, they have like a they have like oh, limits. Okay. But typically, yeah. it runs at the same time. But gotcha. Yeah, for the most part, it's still it's still at its core a, a show that's designed for kids and adults. It's okay. gotten more adult. Like, it's not adult in the way that like Battlestar Galactica is adult, uh-huh. but it's adult in that it might have like complicated themes and emotional things happening in it that you don't expect that you would like we'll talk about it when we get to the episode guides yeah there are some episodes that are very like there's a lot of character depth and things happening um but just with yeah to run through these doctors for you real quick great so yeah william hartnell original doctor kind of like was like the prototype a lot of things you don't know like i said we don't know that he's a time lord we don't know that he's from gallifrey we don't know that he has two hearts in fact i think i think they even like inspect him at one point and he only has one heart because he's just being treated like a human basically. Mm-hmm. So that kind of stuff is there. Softens over time. There's an episode called The War Machines which I think is the first one where you really see him like step forward and like kind of seem like he's taking his role as a defender of Earth. He leaves. Uh, Patrick Troughton is the next doctor. And he was from 1966 to 1969. Yeah. Troughton unfortunately 
is the doctor who bears the biggest brunt of missing episodes because the BBC oh, dumped yeah. a lot of old footage and yes. we, we're, we're kind of they're finding more and more of his stuff but a lot of his era is just lost to history we're getting some of it back but Troughton really is in my opinion the doctor that helped define the doctor as a character as a hero as we as we know him today a lot of what modern doctors are doing comes from what Troughton did with the role because he was a little bit younger so they could like let him do some more actiony stuff and they could like have him run around a little bit more than than Hartnell could so that's part of why that happened and also at that point it was very clear the doctor is the hero of the show mm-hmm. so but Troughton did Troughton's big thing he dressed more like a hobo than, than Hartnell. Did Hartnell dress like a, like a, like a very like like polished gentleman? Yeah. And Troughton had like patchwork pants and like a coat that was too big. And his whole thing was he would disarm people by pretending to be dumb and silly, and they would like kind of like underestimate him, and then he would like actually be the smartest person in the room, but they wouldn't know it. This so, is a really dumb question, but is a doctor actually a doctor? Um, sort of. It's it's complicated. Like. Doctor did go to an academy on Gallifrey and like is very very smart and like they have in some episodes said it's one of those things where canon changes every, every like this show has no real official one hundred percent canon because yeah sometimes Doctor will say yes I have I have doctorates and these things mm-hmm. but Doctor also lies a lot Doctor so, of Jazz yeah. PhD in Jazz <laughs> yeah it's also a thing where because each showrunner kind of puts their own spin on it and the departing showrunner Stephen Moffat had this idea back when he was just a fan back in the 90s that like he posted like on an IMDb message board that was this idea of what if the word doctor in our culture Wait, this was when he was a fan before he was involved yeah. in the series? I, yeah, I think he might have written a couple of like oh, okay. not like like side things but the show wasn't back yet. The yeah. show was like in the middle in what we call the wilderness years. He said like here's an idea, what if we got the word doctor from the doctor oh, like okay. oh this person who comes and helps people yeah is like that because the doctor says like i call myself the doctor it's a promise i make to myself that i'm gonna help people basically and so they go, what if we got the word doctor in mm-hmm. our culture because of it and then when he was showrunner he made that That's canon so he had a character tell the doctor we get that word from you you know can you talk about so. how the name came to be doc what does doctor who mean uh it, the- it was a joke the yeah. joke is basically he goes, I'm the doctor. And they go, Doctor Who. And that's the joke. Yeah. So that's the name of the show is a joke. And there's a lot of fighting. Is that in the first episode? Yeah, that, very okay. first episode. Okay. And it happens a lot on the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's also a thing that people fight about a lot on the internet because the character is called the doctor, but some people will say Doctor Who and people will get really mad. The character's not, not named Doctor Who, it's the doctor. But if you watch classic Who, he is called Doctor Who in the credits for most of the run of the oh, classic okay. series. And so uh. it's not that cut and dry. Riley laying down an yeah. um actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. an um actually back. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like, Well, actually, yeah. I love it. So well, Patrick Troughton was the kind of the, the template of what we see as the modern doctor. John Pertwee is the first color in, in color doctor. Uh, that's 1970 and 74. He's the third doctor. This was an interesting thing, talking about the way the show has to change with the times. The that his series feels totally different to what came before it, partly because it's in color and it be, it feels much more like a 70s hard-boiled like spy show, but Ooh, with that's aliens. That's cool. That's really and, cool. Yeah, the premise of that early, especially the first few seasons of his run the doctor has been exiled from Gallifrey to Earth and he can't travel in space and time. He can only stay on Earth in this one time period. And so he gets a job working for this this organization called UNIT, which is the United Nations Intelligence Task Force, which also can be unified, whatever. It changes all the time. He's the scientific advisor for UNIT 
and he there's like a whole supporting cast of like soldiers and there's this really great supporting like he's the leader of unit name uh brigadier lethbridge stewart who has become like a predominant like npc essentially on the show oh, okay. uh npc i'm playing too many games these days. <laughs> like a supporting character who yeah. would make reappearances over the years and then unfortunately nicholas courtney the actor who played him died so they never brought him back to the modern show but they brought his daughter back to do his that take over his role but so john pertwee's character was he worked for unit he stayed on earth for the most part and he was very like smarmy and he was kind of like the 70s spy character he had he's very much like the kind of thing that austin powers was parodying like he oh, has really he had, like he if you look at his picture he's wearing like a velvet nightclub singer jacket <laughs> he would do like uh venusian aikido was his big thing which like he basically would be, like he like would karate chop aliens <laughs> and go hi and he had he had gadgets. He had his own. He had like a a car called the Humobile. He had a yeah. little old jalopy he rode around in called Bessie. And he had like a like a spirocopter. He'd fly around. He was just goofy. oh my gosh! Yeah. I love the ruffles on his shirt. Yeah. Oh and my yeah. gosh! His era introduced one of the next most prominent villains of the show, which is this character called the Master, yeah. who is the sort of antithesis to the doctor he's a renegade time lord as well but he's one it's it's very much a xavier magneto relationship mm. yeah. and it's they very much frenemies over the course of history and not unlike magneto some eras he's really really evil and some eras he's just like a misunderstood they're brothers yeah so there's a lot of that going on <laughs> yeah so, so something you said that he does brings up a very interesting question that leads into something that's very important about Doctor Who that I feel, and you can confirm. But we'll get into that after these messages. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
Welcome back, everybody. It is me. <laughs> I am back. Uh, still with Danny and Riley. Hello. And uh, We're I'll only f- on Dr. Four. There's so many. Do- it's crazy. It's 55 you know, years of show. I'm yeah. sorry that I can't but do it. But here's the sorry. thing, <laughs> Riley, if we, if we skipped any, you would get an um actually about I know it. I would. So, um, so yeah, so let's talk about Tom Baker, who is the fourth doctor. Tom Baker is the doctor who, especially for American audiences, was like the doctor of the classic era because that's the point when most PBS stations were definitely running oh, the shows cool. here. Oh, yeah. So he's the doctor. When you imagine... Doctor Who, if you if you think of it as a guy with a scarf and a fedora, that's the doctor you're thinking of, Tom Baker. And he's great. He is really, he lives up to the hype, in my opinion, because I, I did, when I walked through Classic Who, I was afraid I wouldn't like him, because sometimes some of the people who are fans of him, not all of them, not of them, some of them are also some of the fans of the most, like, prickly about certain things, but... He's a really, really, really fun doctor. To I don't watch. know why, but he he looks like a modern day Freddy Krueger outfit. Do you see this at all? At the all. top hat, <laughs> Riley. Let me walk. Yeah, you he through is wearing this. a hat. I he guess wears that's... Freddy like that, and then this like these colors, this color scheme. You, got, I'm gonna remember when this is when this episode goes out. I'm gonna tweet Freddy Krueger and the, and this. Anyways, please continue. That's what I jumped to. The color scheme and the hat. He was just, he was very fun to watch. He, he had a booming voice that could fill the room, and he's just very charming. He played the role longer than anybody, actually playing it, because he did. He was on the show for seven years, seven oh. seasons. And he, it's funny, because you can tell by the end, he's like done, like he's over <laughs> it. But, and he actually, when I mentioned Lala Ward, the second Romana, they actually like had a romance, and they got married and then divorced Ooh. over the course of the time they oh, were on wow. the show together. So, <laughs> wow. so when they first are together on the show, there's a lot of like sparks flying, and there's a lot. It's a really good era. Douglas Adams wrote for the show during his era, and it's it feels it's where the show starts to feel more like what we think of as modern. Who, Peter Davison is the Doctor after him. Peter Davison's era is a lot more hard sci-fi than like Baker's era had a lot of horror kind of stuff to it, and then a lot of it like veered into horror sci-fi, and there was like some more silly, rompy kind of stuff in the middle. Uh, Davison. Did it for a few years. He has a very crowded TARDIS. Like there's like there's three kids in his TARDIS in the beginning of it. He uh, has a, a, a companion die under his watch, which was like a, oh, a big wow. deal at the time. And he also he's the one who wears a cricket outfit with a mm-hmm. with a celery stick on his lapel. And he's just kind of nice. He's just a friendly dude. Uh, he's a he's a good 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 bloke. I guess is the big thing. <laughs> when we did yeah. So he's. Yeah, he's fun. Uh, he was young. He was the youngest person to ever play the character at that point. So it was like mm. it was interesting to have this like fresh faced blonde young cricket player on the show. Colin Baker, uh, the next Doctor, the sixth Doctor, very controversial one. Uh, was written very arrogantly. Was written originally to be like he, they they kind of wanted to do what Peter Capaldi's Doctor did, which was start kind of unlikable and become likable by the end of it. Didn't get a chance to do it. Was actually fired by the BBC. Oh. Because he was very unliked, he has the worst costume. Uh, well, not he the worst. Some people, like some people love it. Some people who love his costume are getting mad that it says the worst. But he did not like it. He wanted like a more like stealthy kind of like downplayed costume. And they go, "What if you had no taste at all?" <laughs> so they did that. He so that's his outfit. It's just a bunch of patchwork stuff. His care, his doctor is very arrogant, very self-aggrandizing, and very and like strangles his companion in the TARDIS in the Ew. first run. So he's like, they, they made him unlikable. Yeah. And his, so he's, he's unfortunately served with some really weird storylines that don't do him justice. And he's actually a doctor who in the audio dramas on big finish has really kind of come into his own and kind of Colin Baker as an actor 
has really kind of become an ambassador to the show, and it's kind of nice that he's kind of gotten an appreciation in, as, as he's gotten older because he, I think he could have been a really great doctor and wasn't given the material to do it. And so what's great about Big Finish is he's now given that material and has been able to shine. Have you seen people, because you go to a lot of cons, do you see people cosplaying oh, yeah. as a doctor? Oh, uh, all the doctors, oh, okay. yeah. But yeah, yeah he, people... Because his outfit is wild. People make that <laughs> outfit. They do it, yeah. he. It's like, if it's a bunch of colors. Like, just his whole suit is all different colors. Yeah, every doctor has fans. Every doctor, that's why I don't like to be like, oh, he's the worst. I like every doctor. It's not a doctor I don't like. And okay. I actually liked Colin Baker's doctor and there are some fun plots during his era it's just it's real dark too Sylvester McCoy is the last doctor of the classic era he played him from 87 to 89 when the show was canceled his doctor kind of goes through a bit of metamorphosis as well like he's kind of this silly buffoon when he first comes in he like his whole thing his like first season is saying idioms wrong like he'll like start saying it one way and then say it the wrong way I can't even like think of an example wrong burgundy like yeah it'd be like a lot of like uh, well, you know, a bird in the hand is worth a leaf. Like, that's what he would say. And like, what? So that would be him. But his character has, he's the one, if you'd see pictures of a doctor with like a vest that has question marks on it, and like a bowler hat and an umbrella with a question mark at the end of it. He had a great companion named Ace, who was like this very tough, like, like streetwise. Like she, he, she was a waitress on a, on a space station, but she's like the, like tough, like she's kind of the prototype for characters like Buffy, like female, like strong oh, yeah. female warrior characters. And McCoy's whole thing was like they were kind of they were trying to bring back mystery to the show. So there was like a plan to do that. And then the show was canceled. But there was a lot. His doctor would intentionally like lie to his companions because he was like trying to manipulate them so that he could fulfill his plans. Like he would trick his companions into being upset so that he could like trick the enemies or whatever. Okay. Paul McGann is the least longest lasting doctor because he's only. In it for, at the time, one TV movie. He has since come back for one, uh, like, web-based, like, prequel episode of the 50th anniversary special. Another doctor, though, who has found a huge, huge audience in audio dramas. His audio, And and they're really good. But McGann is the, there was a, basically when the show was canceled in 89, Fox and the BBC tried to bring it back in the mid-90s. It was going to be a Fox and BBC joint production series. It ended up not getting picked up, but they did air it as a made-for-TV movie. And so Paul McGann played that, and then we didn't have Doctor Who again until 2005. I mean, there were books, there were audio things, but the but that was the big thing. So then Eccleston, ninth if Doctor. he's Doctor. He's yes. great. He's really good. Uh did not get along with Russell T. Davis, the showrunner. Like they'd worked together before, but for some reason they clashed on the set of the he show. He looks different than any other doctor. I yeah. mean, one, he has a leather jacket. Yeah. His outfit is what Colin Baker said he basically asked for when he was a doctor. He's like, I want a character who feels like he can I want to in look and like out of I things. Have like, sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll just say he looks like he's a man about town. Like he yeah. looks like like a, a younger, by the way, even though some of the other ones might have been younger, but he looks more like I guess cause when was this in the nineties? It was two thousand five. Oh, two, never mind. Uh, two thousand five. Like he looks like, uh, yeah. Like like they're trying to appeal maybe to to this like younger. Yeah. What well, was the new show? It was in the new series. It was coming back. He looks from the like long a sexier break. doctor. Is what and I'm trying to say. He's angsty. His doctor is is the survivor of the time war, and he's in a lot of pain, and he's got like a kind of PTSD from the war, and a lot of regret, and a lot of self loathing because of what he did. Which is why I think his outfit is so muted. It's like he doesn't have time to think about what he wants to wear. He just throws on a jacket and a t-shirt and goes away, mm-hmm. or a jumper, um, goes on his way. And he was only there for a season. And Eccleston had problems with Russell T. Davis, and he ended up leaving the show at the end of his first season. And and 
uh, has not really been a fan of the show ever since. And yeah, which is why know. he didn't come back for that 50th yeah. anniversary. But he will. I will say to his credit, he is very sweet to the fans still. He actually did an appearance this year at London Comic Con and he or the London TV and film festival, whatever. And he like there's a lot of great shots of him running into other actors who have played with Doctor, and he's very cordial and nice to them. And he, there's been videos once in a while that pop up where he's like sent a message to fans who are sick. So he will still be the doctor for fans, but he just doesn't watch the show and doesn't have the same investment in the show that most actors who have played it do. I think because his experience with it was so bad, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, David Tennant replaced him. Why? Oh, so, yeah, I was going to say David Tennant seems to be, this is just speaking from an outsider perspective. A lot of people's favorite doctor. Yeah. I, I would say that he and Tom Baker tend to be the two that people are the most. In Why love do you with. feel like David Tennant resonates so much with so many people? I think he's just very charming. He's very fun to watch. He's he feels very heroic and very dynamic. I so it's very easy to fall in love with. Is him, he com- He seems comedic. He's very like, comedic. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he's this silly, quirky, like goofy boy doctor, and he's got a little bit of an emo vibe to yeah. him. Like, like there's memes of him crying in the rain, and there was like a love story with him and his companion Rose, which people like got into. So a lot of people who were like big shippers really got into the mm-hmm. show in this era, and he's great. And he's like, he's like got he runs around in a suit with a sweeping trench coat that has like a cape kind of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. So. And I think also, like, he was the doctor when the show was really starting to find its voice in the modern era. So I think he's, like, the solidified doctor in people's heads. Yeah. And then... I, I do, before we move on, I do mm-hmm. want to point out the thing that we went to break with that people were like, what is that question oh, yeah. I was going to ask? So you were saying that uh, Pertwee had this, like, karate chop. Yeah. And when I and this is when I was watching, and one of the big things, especially Tenet, would always drive home is that he never wanted to use violence. Yeah. And and so like that was the that's why I like the sonic screwdriver because it doesn't mm-hmm. hurt maim or something else. Yeah. Um, well, they actually I will say that the most recent season there was an episode with Doctor she used Venetian Aikudo and she did it and it, it's presented much more as like a pacifist form of web of fighting like it's it's done as like a defense fighting as opposed to an offensive fighting and the way she, the way she does it in the episode I love that she walked up to someone and just put her fingers against his throat and was like. I'm holding like basically like as if it was like a pressure point move. Yeah. And so like that's kind of how they retconned that era okay. into it. Yeah. Since if he brought up the sonic screwdriver, can you explain to people what that is? Yeah, it's a exposition skipping device. It's <laughs> a it's a thing that they use on the show to get the doctor out of locked doors or like to hack into computer systems and things and like every, that. And every every doctor's looks different. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because it was a really big deal, I remember at Comic Con this year to get the thirteenth doctor's well, sonic okay. screwdriver. Yeah. And I literally, my dumb butt was like, oh, there's I thought it was like Sonic the Hedgehog because I saw people ha. kept tweeting about it. Not even kidding. Um, I was like, man, it must be like a limited edition. Uh, yeah. But you got your hands on one, I right? I did. Okay. A friend of mine, uh, <laughs> my friend Aaron Byrie was at Comic-Con. I was up in Portland. I was at a queer festival, a comedy festival. And Aaron Byrie got a, got her hands on it and shipped it to me from Texas. So I got it before it like hit the stores, uh, which was great. Because I did not get my hands on the Funko Pop, and I'm like really bummed about it because it still hasn't been released to the mass market yet. Oh, but yeah. So every doctor, some don't even have them, but everyone's the the classic ones are pretty similar looking, like they're kind of just like a gray with a red thing at the end. But modern doctors all have their own. Uh, I think that Eccleston and Tennant have the same one, and then mm. Capaldi used Matt Smith's for a few years before he got his own. But yeah, and then his got this, this, this Smith one got destroyed, and then he got his own that he used for like a season. There was a season where he didn't have one at all, and he used sunglasses instead of screwdrivers, and people wow. did not like it. Wow, people were not happy. 
people don't like it when you really change your Doctor Who sometimes. So where was I? So David Tennant, Matt Smith. Matt Smith is the pretty boy young Doctor. He is was the the next one after Tennant. He was Stephen Moffat's first Doctor as showrunner. He's also the big one where the show really broke in America because the show moved from being like rerun on sci-fi to being aired the same days mm-hmm. that it aired in the UK on the BBC. So I would say Matt Smith is right behind David Tennant yeah. as far as what Dr. Modern fans connect with. Oh, for, despite being younger and being kind of quirkier, he's a little darker of a doctor than Tennant's doctor. He, despite being also at the time and still the youngest actor to play the role, okay. he also has like this very interesting old man quality to him and he feels like an old soul and is a little bit worn down. He's a doctor who thinks he's going to die. Okay. And, but he's fun. He also very much based his performance on Patrick Troughton, so he's very similar to Troughton, and that's so I kind of like him. Um, Peter Capaldi, my favorite doctor. I mm. loved him, which is not very not a popular opinion, but I really like him. He's just he just has so much fun with it. He's like the rock star grandpa doctor is the best way to put it. He just like there's some really heartbreaking moments with him, and and it's a tougher era for some people who aren't who are looking for like we said the, the family friendly kind of like simple fun stuff happening. Mm-hmm. It's tough. There's some really heavy episodes in his run and there's a lot of like inconsistent plot things that happen too but i really love him and i think peter's also just my favorite actor to have played the doctor because he just love he grew up as a fan of the show he was a huge fanboy from day one and he just loves being love being part of it and you just got i just got that sense of someone just love being there yeah and then we've got jody whittaker who is is coming up in the ranks for me she's amazing she's the first woman to play the doctor she very quickly settled in the settled in the role, in my opinion, and we haven't got a lot of details about her yet. But how many episodes have aired so far? So far, we had six. Okay, and and how much is supposed to be in a season? Do you know? This year it's only going to be ten. Usually okay. it goes to twelve, but they've actually and, and done these are long. about like twenty two minutes. No, these ones are these ones are about an hour. Oh, Modern, okay. Modern Who is an hour okay. long. Yeah. Okay. So they're fifty minutes, not counting commercials and breaks and stuff like that. Her doctor so far is a little bit. She apologizes a lot more, which has been criticized because she's a woman, uh, but yeah. I don't view it as much as woman saying sorry. I think of it as character who is who has all this weight on her shoulders from what's come before her. Because mm-hmm. Peter Capaldi's whole run was like, am I a good man? And it's mm-hmm. like, I don't, I'm not, but I should try to be. And like the last words that he said before regenerating into her was talking to himself and his future regeneration saying, run fast, laugh hard and be kind. And that was the like the rules the doctor gave themselves. And so I feel like that's what she is doing. And mm-hmm. so she's funnier. She's she has a lot of what Tennant had going on, the kind of like manicness and kind of like like getting distracted in trains of thought. But she just seems to have a lot of empathy and a lot of concern. Like there's an an episode in this current season where the companions like to begin with went with her by accident and like they got sucked into space together and then they got they found the TARDIS. And they like were trying to get back to home, and she got them home the same day they left. But then they all decided to go travel with her more anyway. And she's worried about it. She's like, says like, I can't guarantee you'll be safe, and I can't guarantee you won't be the same. You won't you won't be very different by the time they get back. Like, and she's like worried about them. And so that was a moment where that that was very different because usually the doctors like run away with me and have fun. This will be great. Where she's <laughs> like, are you sure you want to do this? And then when they say yeah, she's like, okay, cool, come on. And mm-hmm. so it's fun. So she flips on a dime emotion wise but is very fascinated and excited it, it very much feels like a character who 
had been dragged down by life for a long time who suddenly has a new lease on life. So for me, narratively, I feel like you can see a very strong thread of what was going on with Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi's Doctor especially and what Jodie Whittaker is doing now. And uh-huh. So I think it's really interesting. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with her. I hope she's around for at least two or three more years. Um, but I, I'm curious because like right now I think we're still establishing her. But I will say that it was it was very quick where I stopped. There's always an adjustment period with a new doctor because you're so used to the last doctor where it's like this person's not the doctor. That was very short with her. And mm. by, by the third episode, I kind of forgot that I was even supposed to be thinking about it. So when they regenerate, is she regenerated as like what we're looking at right now, like with her costume and her age? And, and... she picks her. The costumes are not regenerated with the doctor. Typically, they just like go clothing shopping or like find clothes and pick are them they up and put them. Are on. they just like naked in the? No, wilderness? they're wearing they're wearing the clothes. The old oh, doctor wore. so it's was that is that what it gag. opened up with? Yeah. Okay. She's wearing when her first episode. She's wearing the clothes Peter Capaldi was oh, wearing. So it's and yeah. I actually cosplayed as that look at oh, this that's year's cool. Gallifrey One's an annual Doctor Who convention, uh-huh. and I went in the torn up blue velvet jacket that Peter Capaldi had, but I had my blonde hair yeah. and makeup and stuff. Is it like an emotional moment for who like Doctor Who fans to see like? You know, your doctor passed yeah, away. It really much and, is. It, and, I mean, it's it's a combination. It's sadness of the doctor you like leaving, and yeah. excitement for the new doctor. I, for me, this show is a show about change. It's a show about the fact that you keep moving forward, yeah. you keep adapting. That, like I mentioned, it, it has had so many different faces and tones over the years. That for me, I embrace when it tries. Like. This has been a tougher season for me to get into because of some major changes in the way the narratives are being presented and the plots are happening. But I'm trying to be it, – it's tough because I'm looking at it now, especially as a, as a professional critic. So I have right. to be a little bit more detached from my normal just like wanting to love it vibe. Yeah. But I am trying to like cut it some slack and go, no, no, this show is doing something different now and uh-huh. that's okay. Like yeah. it's, it's a show about change. Yeah. So Because I will say, yeah, Riley mentioned uh, – she mentioned how – a lot of times, I don't, I, I only seen, you know, I guess technically uh, two or three regenerations. And they, yeah, you're right. They oftentimes say their kind of final piece, which is almost like their goodbye to the yeah. fans. And, you know, when David Tennant on his regeneration. Oh, man. He was like, yeah. I don't want to go. And I was like, I don't. Oh, yeah. Thug tears. I was, yeah. all, I was done. I was done. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> and he um, went on to do Broadchurch, which was phenomenal. He also yeah. went on to be Kilgrave. Yeah, yeah he went on to be Kilgrave, which I, totally... I hated him as oh, Kilgrave. Well, which was... I mean, like he was good, but I hated him. What's tough about Kilgrave is he actively played Kilgrave very similar to how he played the Doctor, which was so mean of him to do. Like he yeah. basically a lot of similar yes. mannerisms, the same yeah. the same London accent because he's a Scottish accent, but he yeah. played Kilgrave with the exact voice he did for the that's doctor. That's what shook me in uh, Broadchurch is he uses his Scottish. Yeah, accent. Yeah, I love Broadchurch. Oh, so good. We the showrunner of Broadchurch, Chris Chibnall, is the showrunner of Doctor Who now. Really? Yeah. Oh. Which is why Jodie Whittaker got cast as, as the the doctor because she was talking to him on the set of Broadchurch. Well, he was already thinking of her, mm-hmm. but yeah, the joke, the story was that she was talking to him on the set of Broadchurch and. She was like, ah, keep me in mind if you want me to come in and play a baddie or something. He's like, well, you could audition to be the doctor. And she killed it, apparently, Ooh, which I can see. That's chills. Yeah. Um. So, Riley, you mentioned some episodes, but we I just wanted to talk to you about, like, um, well, you wrote an article about the best ones for people to start if they're trying to jump in. Yeah, I wrote an article that was, I wrote it last year, kind of like as a preparing for Jodie Whittaker article. 
what I would say is that if you just want to jump, this is a show that you very much can just jump in with. It is yeah. not a show like there will be things you don't immediately get. That's okay. I have watched the entirety of the show and there are things that I forget about or that I don't remember or it's fine. And like also it's not as good at continuity as you might think it is. <laughs> and so there are yeah. a lot of things that are retcon and things that are changed and things uh-huh. that are done differently each time. So I would recommend if you're going to jump in, either jump in with Rose, the 2005 like premiere of the new modern series, or you can jump in now with Woman Who Fell to Earth, which is Jodie Whittaker's first episode, and you can just watch this current season, and then maybe if you like it, then you can go back and watch more. Or if you, the other episode that I'd recommend starting with, if you're not going to do one of those two things, is The Eleventh Hour, which is Matt Smith's first episode, because I think that more so than Rose and more so than the premiere of any other modern Doctor, it is the episode that most, like, it starts from, like, a fresh beat and explains who the Doctor is and kind of gives you the tone of what's happening. And I would say mm-hmm. watch The Eleventh Hour and watch maybe that whole fifth season, and that'll give you a pretty good bearing of what the show is. Um, and that, I think you can do the same thing now with this new season. I think that I think that Woman Who Fell to Earth and Onward is a good way to start the show fresh if mm-hmm. you need to do that. It's, a show that's been on for as long as this one has knows that it cannot assume that new viewers are going to watch the entirety of the show and so every few years they do try to make a jumping on point for new fans to watch it so yeah that's so i recommend if yeah if if your goal is i've never watched the show before and i want to watch it now and you've already listened to this entire podcast and have (laughs) not just just screamed and yelled and ran away it i would recommend yeah either rose 11th hour or the woman who fell to earth and then watch onward from there I usually recommend Eleventh Hour or Woman Who Fell to Earth before Rose, only because the budgets and technology levels in 2005 are a little bit tough for okay. new viewers. Okay, but I think once you're into the show and you're kind of yeah. invested in it, you get a little bit more like, oh, it's kind of charming how bad the effects look at mm-hmm. that point. It's a little bit the show finding its feet isn't as frustrating because you already know that it's going to get somewhere that you really yeah. like. So I, when I wrote my piece that was like how to binge watch the show, I basically did the way people do with Star Wars, where it's like, here's, you can view it in this order, oh, or right, you can right, view right. it in this order. Yeah. And I put like six options, and one was like, just jump in fresh, one was like, start with 1963, and there was one that was like my version of the machete cut, which was, this is ridiculous, and I'll rush through it real quickly, and you can read the article if you want to know more, but it was basically start with Matt Smith, watch his first two and a half seasons, or three, and then... Go back and watch Eccleston through Tenet, then come back with Day of the Doctor, and then watch through Capaldi and onward. So it's a lot, but I think it's actually a good way to do it. Interesting. Because it, it kind of like it kind of like gives it a whole new like, now you get this guy, and then you reflect on why he's so sad about time work. You learn about these guys oh, and why okay. they were there. And then when you get yeah. to Day of the Doctor, you go, oh, yeah, that's that guy that I liked and this guy. And they were together in the episode at the same time. So that's that so makes nice. Sense. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, well, that'll be in the footnotes for you to look up. I mean, if I had to pick an episode, if I was, and this isn't based on like anything other than it's one of my favorite. It is, uh, you're, you're, you'll know the correct one when I say it because it's probably one of the most popular. But was is it Father's Day? No. Yeah, Father's Day is great. Father's Day. Father- it's funny because you said Father's Day, and on this list that we have from the internet of the best episodes, there's a uh, human nature and. Well, Human Nature and Father, All Family of Blood, which are both written by Paul Cornell, who is just a really lovely guy, and he really gets the show, and Father's Day is one 
that we talk about you brought it up oh man father's day i have yet to watch it since becoming a father uh and it's so just to give a little backstory rose who we mentioned which was I don't think she is, but she definitely is one of the longer running companions, right? Because she was going she's for not a bit. that long running. She's only in it for two seasons, and then she has some resurgent parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Amy Pond was on for a little bit longer than her, yeah. as far and, and Clara Oswald definitely was long longer than longer than her. But she's, I think, very enduring and very popular amongst the a lot of the fans. Yeah, she and also Sarah Jane Smith, who we didn't mention, who's a classic companion, was probably the longest running or close to it, but. Oh, yeah. And it was crazy because it was with this one, her and Eccleston, I felt like they had this will they, won't they. Yeah. Especially Tenet with, and her especially have yeah. it. And it ha- and, you know, they had the whole thing because she had a boyfriend at one point and yeah. she abandons him for this doctor. And Mickey I think Smith. that kind of yeah. that kind of pushed it even more in that direction. So they kind of building this relationship. And then in this episode, she is, goes back into time to the moment uh, her father passes yeah. away. And this whole episode, and, and Eccleston is the doctor, not Eccleston, but do- the, Eccleston is the doctor in this one. But the doctor is against her trying to change mm-hmm. time. Yeah. But she wants to change. It's, it's And there's dire consequences. It's a good episode to establish rules of the series. Like it establishes why... You can't change major events in time. And that's a good one. This actually, the most recent season had an episode that just aired called Demons in the Punjab, which is, which I may have mispronounced. But it's it's a similar premise of I want to go back and see a family member. It doesn't quite have that dire consequence, but it's it's the same kind of thing of like, I don't know if we should do this because it's, it's your own history. But yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, they go a very different direction with it, but it's it's fun to see episodes that use time travel in that way. Yeah. The episode that's number one on here that is the one that most people recommend that people go and watch oh, yeah. about is oh Blink. Gosh. Blink. I think Blink is a really good episode of television, and it is one of the better episodes of Doctor Who. I used to say that I didn't think it was a good episode to introduce the show to people because the Doctor is barely in it. But someone made the good point that it's a good episode to give you an idea of what this show is without having to know any of the characters involved. Because the characters that are the main characters of it, you don't ever really see again. So it gives you an idea of what this show is all about from an outsider's point of view. Yeah. It's a really, it's actually written by Stephen Moffat who went on to be the showrunner for the show. It introduces one of the creepiest aliens of the modern series, the, which the then later ruined by being used too much. It should have been used this one time and this one time only called the weeping angels. And mm-hmm. their whole thing is their statues. And if you're looking at them, they don't move, but if you look away or you blink, they can move. And like they, and then they they touch you, they send you back in time, and they like feed off the potential energy of what your life would have been if they hadn't touched you, which is really creepy and weird. <laughs> but they're very scary because it's 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 just moving statues. Yeah. Also, and they look terrifying. They too. look terrifying, and the fact that you never see them move, and then later on, you show them moving, and it ruins it. But when you see when they're on this episode, you never see them move. You just see them reappear, like like the lights come back on, and they're in different spots than they were. So it really plays on the scariness of statues. Yeah. And the doctor is not there because they have sent him back in time, and he doesn't have his TARDIS. And so the main character, who's actually Casey Mulligan, <laughs> before she was like super famous, yeah. Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I always do it wrong. Carrie Mulligan, before she really blew up, is the main character of the episode, and it's like her figuring the mystery out. And you get a lot of like things about like the idea of like cyclical time travel and the weirdness of time mm-hmm. travel and 
it's a really fun little mystery episode. It almost feels like an episode of Black Mirror, where it, it feels like it could be part of an anthology series if yeah. you don't know the Doctor at all. So, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, I don't I'm know sure. if we missed. We didn't talk a lot about companions. That can be a whole other thing. But companions are basically the people who travel with the doctor. In the most recent season, they're calling them friends instead of companions. (laughs) And in the classic series, they call them assistants. (laughs) But they're basically audience surrogates. They're kind of the idea of like, well, the main character is almost a god. So let's have this person who's a little bit more mortal traveling with them. Although there have been time lords who travel with him too. But yeah, they're basically there to be the kind of more mortal people to ask questions of a doctor and, and have exposition explained to them when things were happening and you know mentioning father's day to give their maybe some more stakes to the story than if it was just one person so, is the companion always human not always uh like i said we had uh the character of romana who was a companion. oh yeah, yeah she's yeah. a time lord typically yes i'm sorry it it, it messes with my head because they look human right most the, of the, no mo- there's never been one with the exception of there was one season where there was a a shape-shifting robot named Chameleon. For the most part, yes, all the companions are are humanoid. Okay, yeah. okay. I don't okay. think there's any... I think the only non-human companion is Romana. And I apologize, internet, if I've gotten Aww, that wrong. They will politely... I, and if you tell me, Rory, you're wrong. Rory was not <laughs> an, an Autom when he was a tell companion. Them. The universe was reset at the end of the fifth season. Riley, tell them. Yeah. Um, I did want to mention our giveaway that we're doing. Yes. Yeah, so we are partnered with Entertainment Earth, y'all. So go and check out our Twitter feed because we have posted a giveaway, which I actually have for Riley here. You get to open it on We don't have to open toys. and open them. Yes, but okay. um, if you could tell the people what you're looking at because oh this is God. what they can win. Okay, you can win the... It's rock, a rock candy, candy doll uh-huh. of the 13th Doctor. I have this. It's amazing. Dope. So that's awesome. Well, now you awesome. have another one. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. You have Missy. I mentioned the Master earlier, which is the the adversary of the Doctor. The, the, the Magneto's of the Doctor is Professor X. Missy is a female regeneration of the master she was played by michelle gomez who is madam satan on the sabrina teenage oh. witch show and she's amazing she's so good she's yes. such a good she's such a good villain on that show on doctor who and on sabrina but are you talking about the new sabrina yeah yeah you're so, right but she's so much fun and she's a little bit she's even more unhinged on doctor who than she is on sabrina oh, so okay it's really fun and then also it's a funko pop of missy yeah. and it's also a funko pop of the tardis that has that has been painted for the missing Clara, which is a really cruel and mean thing to make I a toy know. out they of. I don't know. They sent this. <laughs> yeah. So this is a thing that they made. I don't and I'm know. Like, what a mean thing to have. Like, <laughs> this is a sad, sad thing that happened on the show. But may, is it like commemorative in some way? Yeah. The character okay. died, and someone painted the TARDIS <laughs> in her memory. Well, and now then you the own doctor that. Her. <laughs> I so I will make my last pitch for the show because you asked me earlier what the show was about, and I yeah. said uh, simply it was a tra- traveler helping out. I what I like about this show is it is especially in an era where so many TV shows and movies about heroes are are you said violent there there's a lot of like it's a lot of always coming there's just violence in the show the doctor occasionally does have to like go to action but it, this is a character who always leads with empathy it's a character who always thinks that there is going to be a pacifistic solution to the problem that always wants everybody to survive and everybody to do well and the credo of this doctor you know, Stephen Moffat was speaking at Gallifrey One this year, and he was talking about 
the when they created the doctor, they go instead of giving him a gun, they gave him a screwdriver. So they gave him a thing to fix things. Instead of instead of like when the superpowers, they gave him two hearts. Like they made a character who is extra full of love and support and empathy. Mm-hmm. And I like if you want to hear me really rant, I already ranted about this on the Query podcast. So I'll kind of even though this is a Doctor Who discussion. <laughs> I 100% think that I'm a better person because of watching Doctor Who. Wow. Like there are moments in my life where I have seen directly that I have behaved differently because I behave the way that I think the doctor would want me to or because the doctor inspired me to behave differently. Like there was a day last year, I'm, and for those of you who haven't figured it out by this point, I am a transgender woman. And there was a day last year where I don't know if you guys have heard the news, but there was a big anti-trans thing that happened where we were being like basically like, being banned from the military. Not that I ever want to serve the military, but it was it was very dehumanizing and a very hurtful thing that day. And I wanted to lash out with anger and I wanted to be like frustrated and full of rage, which I occasionally do. I fail. I do that occasionally. That day, I just took a step back and said, what can I do to help right now? And the Doctor Who season had just ended and Peter Capaldi had given this big speech about, like, I don't do what I do because it's easy. I don't do what I do to win. I don't do what I do because I want to defeat somebody. I do what I do because it's kind, because it's right. That's why I do it. And that's that's the only reason. And then just, just be kind. And that stuck with me really hard. And so when that happened, I had a moment of like, what can I do right now to be kind? And so what I thought of was, what's going to happen immediately because of this announcement and because of the backlash and stuff like that is that people who are in crisis are going to need extra help right now and there's an organization called trans lifeline that is a that is a crisis hotline for 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 trans people specifically who the operators are all trained to speak with compassionate language and to not misgender people and to understand where we're coming from when we call and we need certain things so my response to this horrible news story was to just post a thing like, hey, they're going to need money right now for these calls. So let's raise money. And we raised, I think we raised like five plus grand Dang. that day. And it was like, it just kept getting bigger and kept getting bigger mm-hmm. and it kind of blew me away. And I remember thinking to myself, I, I actively thought to myself that day, today is a day that I chose to be the doctor. Yeah. And, and that's like, so it's, it's this show to me inspires that in me. And it inspires me to, there's a great moment at the end of the last Christmas special where the doctor is supposed to be taking a man back to die and he's a World War I soldier and he just like goes like, I'm going to push his death back one hour and he pushes it back an hour when he drops him off and he drops him off in the middle of the Christmas, Christmas armistice, which was when the German and American soldiers put down their guns and sang Christmas carols and played football, which is a real historical event. And like that was like, he's like, this is the one day in the history of war where everyone put their guns down and didn't fight. And that's inspiring to me and that's what this show is to me and so like yes there's goofy people in rubber suits and there are dumb sci-fi things and for the most part it's just quipping and running around down hallways and running from goofy looking aliens but there's just this message at the heart of it which is uh like when you mentioned you love uh david Tennant. david Tennant's doctor always gives his opponents a chance to do right like he gives them a chance and like once they like he gives them a chance to save themselves and and stop what they're doing and then when they when they don't then he will move against them but he always gives them a chance and there is just something about that that like inspires me and so i've ranted a lot about it now so i will wrap up but that's my pitch for why this show is so great in my mind and if that speech gets you riled up i will say there is the when the master appears for david Tennant, mm-hmm. and that was 
there is a moment where he does that and it's so good. Yeah. So definitely check that episode out if you if that really got you, you know, fired up and then do something dope. Yeah, that was so beautiful, Riley. I feel like you're the only person that was like made me cry. Oh. <laughs> I'm over here like, oh my gosh. <laughs> We should always have people pitch, but it's so. That's why I love having someone that's so passionate about it. On that's the best part of of nerddom. Yeah, I know this we're going is, way longer than normal, but I just I no, have a lot no. to say about yeah. the show. Well, yeah. you know, and again, we wanted to hit on things. Even then, we'll probably get written that we missed something. But yeah, um, yeah. What I wanted to I, say, I want to say that to that because I will. <laughs> I get called out for forgetting things all the time. We move fast when we're talking on a podcast. Yeah. We're talking on a thing. So I may have had things that I wanted to say or things that were sure. corrective, and I just moved on. And it wasn't that I forgot. Wasn't that I intentionally? So if there's a if there's a character that you really love and you think, well, what you forgot to talk about this person? Like I didn't talk about Leela. I just wrote a piece about Leela for sci-fi. So like yeah. there, yeah. there's a lot of things I've to talk to, about. We've had to do that with our own franchises that we love. Yeah. But also, if if we did leave something out, just tell us why you love it. Yeah. So like, hey, I I grew up, you know, where I connected with this character and. And, yeah, uh, please tweet it. Yeah. Tweet at the show. Tweet at me. I love what I love about Doctor Who is that it's been on for so long and it's been so different over the history that two people who both love the show as much as each other might love it for totally different reasons and totally different eras. Yeah, and that's so fun. It's and it's so fun for me to hear people who whose favorite Doctor is John Pertwee, and I love to have them sit. I like John Pertwee, not my favorite Doctor. I love to have someone tell me why he matters so mm-hmm. much to them. And I, I have a friend of mine who loves him because she he reminds her of her grandfather. And yeah. it's like really sweet. And that's like cool. Let me, let me hear more about that. Yeah. And what I was going to say to to that note is like, yeah, I, I notice we get that all the time. And usually it comes from a place of like, that's my jam. Yeah. And I wanted to hear y'all talk about it. We're we're on the internet. We basically live there. So definitely tweet at us and keep the conversation yeah. going. And don't forget the Discord. Yeah. Saltsquad.gg. But I, I don't want up. any of your tweets about why you don't want Jodie Whittaker as a doctor. I oh, don't care. Yeah. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just want to hear Hard about pass. things that you love. Yeah. Tell me what you love about Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah. What you hate. I mean, that's just something I like in general. I, I think there I feel like the internet has become like hate has been currency. Yeah. Like you I, I think I've said this on the pod before. But like hate gets way more clicks, clicks. Than, than yeah. love. Yeah. And I want to change that, especially in nerddom. And tell me why you love something. And and if you don't like something, just pass on it. Find something you yeah. love and share that. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Rally J Silverman and on Instagram at Rally Silverman. And I mentioned we, we mentioned up top that I write for Nerdist. I'm doing the reviews for this current season of Doctor Who. I'm also Right now, recording. I don't think I can say the name of it yet, but keep following me on Twitter. I'm in a live play podcast Ooh. of the Doctor Who role playing game, oh, wow. and I am playing the Doctor. Ooh. So that's that's an exclusive break. I, I have we, we haven't been talking about it too much yet. We've yeah. been kind of keeping it mum. So we're gonna launch it at some point in 2019. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. And I am uh, one more thing. I wrote for the honest trailers for Doctor Who on Screen <laughs> Junkies, and yeah. even if you've never watched the show, I think they're really funny. And also, if you never watched it, and you kind of want to get like a really cool, quick overview of it. Watch the one for Modern Who, especially because it really, I think, because the people who wrote on it, uh, Joe Starr and Spencer Gilbert and uh, Lon um, Harris. Harris like Lon had watched some of the show. Spencer and Joe had never watched the show, and they still cranked out along with myself and uh, and Dan Merrill, who watched. He did all of Classic Who on his own. 
they had never they had never really watched it, and it was really kind of fun. Like I worked with the guy with all of them on both of them, but Dan did most of Classic Who on his own. But I worked with all of them, wrote jokes for both of them, and it's a really good breakdown of the show. And I think that if you are curious about Doctor Who and you don't know what it is and you just kind of want to watch like a 10, 15 minute thing that tells you as much as you can, I recommend those videos. All right. And you know me, you can find me at Ify Wadiway on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, The Discord is discord.gg slash salt squad. We have uh, tons of rooms, lots of uh, nerd fam jumping in there, having convos. Danny announced the uh the giveaway there first so if you were in there you knew Mm -hmm. i mean you still gotta wait till we do it but you know it's something to get you through the week (laughs) yeah we like to have fun in there i was gonna say so this week what oh yeah the movie that i'm in drops this week um i mentioned it last (laughs) ralph breaks the internet i'll probably mention it one or two more podcasts i'm so Um, excited for it it's a big deal yeah i'm excited for you yeah it's a big deal in general it's a yeah yeah it's a huge deal it hasn't fully hit ever because like people i honestly it's not i don't want to say it's not that i didn't think it was a big deal it's just that i've been living with it for a while and it wasn't until people like came up to me like this is huge i'm like is it (laughs) is it i guess is it huge to be in a disney movie i guess um it just feels weird we're also really you know Self, I'm self-critical. I feel like we're we're constantly, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's a very competitive city, and so it can feel like your accomplishment. You can forget your own accomplishment sometimes. So. Well, I'm here to remind you. Yeah, so so check that out. It dropped this week. I'm uh, currently in Arizona right now, taking my niece and nephew Ugh. to see it because <laughs> that's where they live. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, hey, yeah. So I'm in Danny, Arizona. Yeah, <laughs> Danny is currently sweating. Uh, me, I'm probably chilling like a villain, but. Also, one thing I want to mention before we sign off, definitely check out our tea public. Uh, yeah. The com slash nerdificent. We've got lots of goodies there. And, and I was going to say, I think that they're probably doing a Black Friday sale. Yeah, there's which is perfect because it coincides with this Thursday, which is when the Nerd Preem Nerdificent shirt drops, only available for eight hours. Be there or be square. Maybe I'll drop it during the Black Friday sale. I guess you'll have to pay attention to Twitter to find out. I love being indecisive. Uh, but, you know, we learned a lot today. We learned about Doctor Who. We learned that Belgium and Germany are not the same country. No, you learned that. We all equally no. at the same time. Everyone <laughs> in this room, Zach in the booth as well, has learned. Uh, which big shout out to Zach in the booth. And our man, Dan the Man, producer Dan, who uh, puts together the research and, uh, you know, produces the damn thing. All right, y'all. We're going to end this the same way we always end it. I'm cleaning my laptop so you know it's time to leave. Stay nerdy, y'all. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. 
From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.